Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Off and rolling Tuesday, November 28, 2023. Welcome in to the Gabe Coon Show. I'm your host, Gabe Coon, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X. At G underscore Coon 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, what's the word, brother? What's up, man? Man, nothing much. Nothing much. Life treating you well? Life's treating me great. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. But we have three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. We're going to spend those three hours wisely. We're going to, uh, I mean, maybe the first couple minutes, depending on what you thought of Monday Night Football, maybe you think that's not so wisely. Uh, but I have to I have to get ahead of something um, with Justin Fields. I think he plays dumb football, but I think there's a reason that that is the case. Last night, that was one of the worst quarterback battles I've seen in a long, long time. And one of the worst matchups in Monday Night Football we've seen all year. 12 to 10, the Bears get over top with a last-second field goal from not that far away. Um, and Josh Dobbs... <laughs> The NASA shuttle exploded as it ended at orbit. It was a disaster. The astronaut, I don't know, man. I wasn't watching the game, and I looked at my phone and saw he had four interceptions, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> this is a disaster. Listen, there's a my couple. Guy. He had two, I think, in particular that tipped off his receiver's hands, but both of them were thrown about 400 miles an hour from not that far away. So I kind of blame it on Josh Dobbs anyway. Milton. But uh, that was not that was that, that left a lot to be desired. We'll not talk great. about Monday Night Football. Uh, I do because I was just sort of looking through. Uh, we know about the Liberty Bowl projections for the University of Memphis uh, so far this year um, against Iowa State, sort of a run back of 2017. But there's some other projections out there. I want to f- sort of thumb through them and discuss uh, which ones we like, which ones we sort of oppose. I don't know if there's you know considering the Tigers are nine and three. I think a, a pretty solid opponent, a relatively decent opponent, is uh, is getting ready to match up against them. So I don't know how many we're going to veto, um, but I'm certain that we'll like more one more than the others. Um, on top of that, we do have some transfer portal news that has to do with the University of Memphis football program. Two Carters ended up getting into the portal, portal uh, last night. I think one has been talked about a lot more than the other. One, Tevin Carter who's local kid, four-star recruit at quarterback, who was one of the biggest recruits that they had in the past few years. Um, he has decided to get in the transfer portal, and he made some interesting comments to the Daily Memphians, uh, Frank Bonner. Um, so we'll talk about that. But I think there's one that's more important than the other in the in the grand scheme of things in, in this particular moment. Davion Carter, the right guard for the University of Memphis, gets in the transfer portal, and he is wanted, man. Like, I, I he's six foot two ninety, not this big... You know, lumbering old lineman that you usually see in the Power Five, but he is wanted by a lot of schools, and he's going to leave behind an immediate need that the that the Tigers are going to have to fill. And and obviously, this is not going to be the end of the transfer portal entries for the University of Memphis. It's just something you have to deal with every single season. So I'll, I'll tell you what I think about that, as well as Ryan Silverfield in the uh, in a in a Daily Hoosier article. 
as a potential candidate for the opening left behind by Tom Allen at uh, Indiana. Should you take it seriously? Should you not? I'll let you know that as well. I'll take a trip around the NFL at 5.30, small talk at 5.50. Very interesting small talk out of the NHL. We don't talk a lot of NHL, but uh, the Blackhawks have a very interesting situation on their hands that I want to uh, keep you abreast of. Um, And then at 6.30, we'll hop into the Blitz where – what would you say, Connor? Has, has, has there been a tone shift from Aaron Rodgers in his Tuesday uh, hit with Pat McAfee today about returning to the field? I would tone say there shift? was. Yeah. yeah. I think there was a tone shift today, but we'll discuss that once we get to the Blitz. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins per normal from the Jeff Calkins Show and the Daily Memphian at 5 o'clock. And then at 6 o'clock, as is customary on a Tuesday, my guy who I do a podcast with called the On the Bluff Pod. You can find it Apple, Spotify, full-length video version on YouTube. But it'll be Christian Fowler from Bluff City Media. And we'll talk a bunch of uh, Tiger football, Tiger basketball, and we'll get you uh, all the latest news there. Now, uh, Monday Night Football last night left a lot to be desired, to say the least. That was uh, not a fun game to follow in the slightest. Um, I tried to watch it, you know, cover to cover, but it, it became laborsome. At a point, um, but if you followed it, even the box score via uh, via your phone, you saw that it was really bad. It was just it was not a not a great game. Josh Dobbs, four interceptions after how well he had played up to this point with the Vikings, um, and you know, I, I, there's no good way or easy way to talk about somebody having four interceptions um, and. Ultimately, I think a couple tipped off his wide receiver's hands, although he did throw them 400 miles an hour to a guy who was about five yards away, and he didn't really throw catchable balls. Um, But a couple of them may or may not have been his fault. But that was an implosion. That was a pure implosion from Josh Dobbs. And if you've been following along, this is kind of sad when you you think about how we've been talking about him the past few weeks um, since he's been a Viking and he has been performing well. Josh Dobbs took over for the lead, most turnovers, for a quarterback this year. Over Josh Allen, over Sam Howell. He has 17 now. That is not, that is not, a, good, uh, not a good number, not a good mark for him to have if he wants to continue to be the starting quarterback for the Vikings. Now, Kevin O'Connell was asked about it after the game. The head coach for the Vikings, he said, we're going to take a look and evaluate and see who we want to throw in there next. I think that's a, probably a good way forward for the Vikings who sit at 6-6, six and six, still want to make the playoffs. Um, now, on the other side, Bears ended up winning this game 12-10. One of the most interesting stats about the Bears, they're 3-1 and one in primetime games this year, 0-7 everywhere else. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're a 3-8 and eight team, but in primetime, they step up and they show out and they make things happen. So I guess some credit where it's due. Uh, some people are wondering, like, why are you winning games? I would say, you know, the Panthers stink. They're 1-10. You'll likely get the number one overall pick because you hold the rights to that pick. And... Hey, you could probably get Caleb Williams with that pick and then decide what you're going to do. If you win a couple of games, drop down to, what, the sixth or seventh pick. You can go get a wide receiver. Go get a Brock Bowers, if you will. There, there's some other options out there. Um, now, Justin Fields was no, no good either last night. Uh, you look at a 12-10 to 10 game, you know quarterbacks just struggle generally in a 12-10 to 10 game. There's not a, not a lot of offense. But Justin Fields had two fumbles. Uh, completely inexcusable. And I'm going to be honest. If you just watch him play week to week, he plays dumb football. Plays dumb football. Doesn't tuck the ball away. uh, Forces the ball into tight windows when he shouldn't. Doesn't read the whole field all the time. Now, that being said, there's no doubt in my mind, as much as we've seen the negatives of Justin Fields, he is a product of his environment. He is. Luke Getze... Matt Eberflus, what they draw up as far as offensive game plan is truly and obviously pitiful. It's an unmitigated disaster on the offensive side as far as what plays they draw up for Justin Fields when. Last night, 46% of his 27 completions came at or behind the line of scrimmage. He threw, when it was all said and done, 10-plus screen passes in one game. 10-plus screen passes in one game, including two tight end screens. You run a tight end screen every three weeks, not two in one game. And as far as screen passes are concerned, 
You know, if you're if you're a good offense and you're trying to throw a defense off, that's when you throw in a screen pass. You want to catch them in a blitz. You want to see if you can sort of dump it off and get your running back or whoever your runner into open space. Running 10 of those, 10 plus of those in a game, that's embarrassing. You should run maybe two, three at the most, at the most. But that's what they did, and that's what they have continued to do consistently. And then the reason I really think he's a product of his uh, situation is when it came down to go winning that game, when they when they needed to win that game, what did they do? They threw a skinny post to DJ Moore in clutch time. And it was a dot right there to DJ Moore. Set them up for the field goal to go win the game. And it was the main play on a game-winning drive that Justin Fields ultimately delivered on time, on target, perfectly. So I, I, I now that I've given you all that information about the Bears game plan, I want to go back to the fact that I do think Justin Fields plays dumb football. With that, with the information I've given you, does it kind of make sense why he plays dumb football? If you're a quarterback in this league, I say this all the time, you need to be put in good situations by your staff. They need to understand what to do with you, when to do it, and put you in situations that are not losing situations. The Chicago Bears offense right now, with Luke Getze running it, is a losing situation. I think Justin Fields is a fine quarterback that has not gotten enough development, that has not gotten uh, a a good level of of coaching behind the scenes that leads you to be a, a solid quarterback in the NFL. And I don't think that's a fault of his own. It's frustrating because I don't think he's going to continue to be a starter in this league. He's going to have to prove himself somewhere else. You know, if the Bears go get Caleb Williams, they may ship him off for some picks. Somebody else is going to take a flyer on him. But I feel like he's been done a disservice every step of the way in a Bears uniform. And it's frustrating to watch week to week. It really is. feel bad for the guy. I really do. Well, I, I think the, the issue is, too, like you said, if he gets shipped off, it's not like he's going to get shipped off to a good situation that has a good offensive line and weapons. He's probably going to get shipped off to a team that is trying to rebuild and is taking a chance on Justin Fields, thinking, hey, if he didn't work in Chicago, maybe he can work here. He's got the tools. He's shown flashes. He's shown a lot of flashes. At the end of last season, there's been a few this season where you're like, oh, Justin Fields, maybe there's something there. But like you said, the Bears haven't given him any opportunities to be successful, and it has kind of bled into the way that he plays. Yes. It's like the Bears. He's just, trying to make plays constantly because the plays that are drawn up for him, that are called for him, are not good enough. Right. They don't win ball games, and we have no idea what his arm talent is because, like you said, they just screen, 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 screen constantly. It's. I saw a tweet out there that said. You know, the Chicago Bears saw him throw a 70-yard screen to D.J. Moore in the preseason, and that's just what they've been doing the whole year, thinking it's going to happen again. And it's just... <laughs> he, he, had, he had 27 completions last night, and three of them, three, count them, one, two, three, were 10 yards or more. It's crazy. When they you look don't, at the they passing don't chart, put, They don't push the ball downfield, and even, the, it, like, he only had one in, or two incompletions past 10 yards last night. Everything is within 10 yards or behind the line of scrimmage. It's unreal. It's not fair to do that to a quarterback who has to prove that he has arm talent, who has to prove that he can be a viable starter in this league. And here's the facts of what he's done so far this year. He started eight games. He started eight games. And he has completed 64, going on 65% of his uh, passes, 1,500 yards. He has 12 TDs to six INTs. He's fumbled the ball a lot. He's ran for a few yards as well, (laughs) a few hundred yards as well. But... The stats don't tell you that this is some, you know, unmitigated disaster at quarterback. The disaster falls in the lap of the offensive play caller and offensive game planner, Luke Getze, that is on staff for the Bears. It's tough. It's tough to watch Justin Fields have to deal with that every single time out. Now, uh, I was looking up some uh, bowl projections last night. Um, when it came to the University of Memphis, and I sort of go to the places that I really like that are a, a little bit more you know, on with their projections, have a little bit more inside information, not just some randos. So I went to uh, 247 Brad Crawford. Brad Crawford picked uh, versus Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, Brett McMurphy, same thing, picked versus Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl. Now there's a couple of other ones. I went to ESPN, Kyle Bonagura, and Mark Schlebaugh. Um, Bonagura picks... Versus James Madison in the Gasparilla Bowl in uh, Tampa Bay. 
Schlebaugh picks versus Miami in the Military Bowl. And then Jerry Palm, who's really good at these things from CBS Sports, versus Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl. So it's really Military Bowl um, or Liberty Bowl, the Gasparilla Bowl sort of on the outside. Uh, Gasparilla Bowl might end up being you know, one, you know Central Florida or South Florida or Central Florida playing South Florida because they can sell tickets to that, a rivalry game, and it's close for both fan bases. So I think that may be how it ends up. But I, I'm going to be honest. Whether it's Iowa State, James Madison, Miami, Virginia Tech, I like all of these matchups. What I like a little bit more is the in-town flair of the Liberty Bowl. I, I, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl has done a lot for this city. We've seen them playing it once, and this could be sort of, I mean, you could you could paint it as a rematch of 2017, and I think there's a little bit of extra flair there. Yeah, I would, it's, I'm 100% rooting for the Tigers to be playing in the Liberty Bowl because that's a game that, you know, we would absolutely go to, me and my wife and probably my family, because you want to support the team in a bowl game. You have a chance to win that 10th game. It would be a big-time opponent with Iowa State. You do want to get that revenge for 2017. I was in I was in the Liberty Bowl when that happened. I was heartbroken afterwards. I got sick as a dog, too. So not only did yeah. we lose the game, I got sick, too. It was cold it was that day. It was crazy. cold that day. Dude, it was so cold that day. Um, so, yeah, I'm absolutely rooting for them to be playing at the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, and, you know, if it ends up being against James Madison, some people will look at that and sort of poo-poo it, where James Madison's a good team. How much do you gain from beating them? I think with all that has happened around James Madison, people will actually have some care. It'd be a cool game. People will care about that game. That is a double-digit win team from a lesser conference that you want to compete with at the top of the group of five at this particular moment. It would be a nice little matchup. I really do believe that. Virginia Tech doesn't give me a whole lot of uh, – it just doesn't – intrigue me all that much. You go to the military poll to play Virginia Tech. I'd say in this order, I'd want Liberty Bowl versus Iowa State, uh, Gasparilla Bowl versus James Madison. Of these, I've, I've already mentioned. Military Bowl versus Miami, and then Virginia Tech on the bottom of that list. Uh, uh, interesting matchup against Miami. I think Miami is a better team than their record shows this year. If they did not, if Mario Cristobal did not completely blow up in that Georgia Tech game and run the ball, they fumbled. Georgia Tech had a last-second heave from Haynes King into the end zone. Their their season would have gone a lot better. But that that would be an intriguing matchup, no question. With a with a premier team, with a with a team that has a a a solid, you know. I mean, it, it is it is one of the greats in college football history. Now it's it's fallen off a map a little bit. But everybody knows the U and Miami and what they can bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, the branding of that game would be a ton of fun. What I like about all of the potential matchups, though, is that I think the Tigers can win every single one of them. You know what I mean? I definitely think that they could beat Virginia Tech. I definitely think they, they could, could lose they could every beat. single one of them, too. They could. They could. But I, I think that <laughs> I the will opportunity say Ryan to is undefeated is in bowl games so far. So he wants to definitely keep that unblemished record. Um, but I think ultimately, most people, if we're being real about where you want to see them, uh, the the ease of travel, ticket sales, um, having a successful bowl game, it would be in the city, in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, without a doubt. Now I wonder how many tickets ultimately they'd sell. I think somewhere around twelve twelve thousand is what they would want to sell from the University of Memphis side. I think that was close to what they sold in twenty seventeen. You know, twelve thousand to fifteen thousand. I don't know if they'd be able to get that type of number because we know. Uh, in Memphis, when it's cold outside, sitting in an outdoor stadium may not be the most uh, intriguing thing for a lot of folks. But I think that's where where I ultimately want this thing to end up. And it feels like, considering the SEC, um, all of the losses that left them with you know not enough teams for the Liberty Bowl, it feels like it feels like this is one of the most likely scenarios that could play out. At this point, to me, it would be surprising if that's not how it, it worked right. out. Because like you said, I, I think the University of Memphis and, and the Tigers are, without a doubt, a better product than any of the five-win SEC teams. Like, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see any of the, the lesser SEC teams, I think, in this game when you have an opportunity to have the hometown team there. Yeah, yeah, and they obviously they can't go there. Um, but I, I know that the Liberty Bowl, I think the last this would, if, if Memphis ends up in it, this would be three of the last six years – that the or not the University of Memphis, but an AAC team or a team that's not SEC would make that game, and I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sold that the people at the Liberty Bowl love that. Probably but at the not. same time, you yeah. have to deal with the hand that's dealt to you. Um, and I know you try to please corporate donors and people that donate, um, and people that that 
you know, put that game up, AutoZone in particular. But at the same time, I don't think the the AutoZone Liberty folks can Liberty Bowl folks can really control all that's going on in the SEC with the three teams they needed to win last week not winning. You just can't control that. Um, now Memphis had a couple of transfer portal uh, out, outgoing transfer portal guys, Tevin Carter. And Davion Carter. We'll start with Tevin Carter. I thought it was interesting when he talked to Frank Bonner from the Daily Memphian. He said, honestly, I'm just doing what I was told as far as leaving concerns. And we see this a lot. You know, obviously the most out there uh, example of this is, you know, Dion, Coach Prime, before the year when he got to Colorado, basically saying, you know, I'm bringing my baggage and it's Louie. And, you know, at some point you guys need to find greener pastures. I'm going to bring in guys to replace you. That's the most out there version of this, but it happens constantly behind closed doors and into season meetings where you look a guy in the face and you say, hey, man, we may have a quarterback recruit coming in or a couple quarterback recruits coming in. Seth is going to play another year. We don't know if you're going to get the meaningful snaps that you ever want to get as a starting quarterback at the University of Memphis. And I think it's good to be honest in those situations, but it's also sad to see a hometown kid who was a big recruit, four-star guy, all the physical attributes in the world move on elsewhere. And I know this was the more disgust of the two transfers yesterday. Yeah, you know, you you always want to see an opportunity for a hometown kid to be wearing a Tigers uniform, whether it's basketball, football, soccer, baseball, any any of the sports. It's always a fun story to have that. I was a fan of Tevin Carter. I think when he stepped in and, you know, when Seth got hurt this season, he did a good job. He showed some signs there. And I think there was some hope that whenever Seth, Seth is ready to move on, Tevin's going to be ready to step into that role. But I also understand that, you know, they may be bringing in somebody. Seth, it seems like, is coming back for another year. And it may just not be the best thing for Tevin to stay at the University of Memphis. It's an unfortunate thing, but I wish him the best wherever he goes. And I do think that he has a chance to be successful wherever he goes. Yes, I, I do. I do. I, I sort of wonder what level that will be. Um, there was a point, like Tim Cramsey also uh, gave gave a quote to Frank Bonner, uh, basically saying at, at points when Seth was going through his injuries this year, um, looks like Tim Cramsey, the OC, was comfortable with putting Tevin in there, and you saw that in the South Florida game. Right. He 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 delivered, and then game after that, not so much. Zero for one with a pick. Um, but Tevin Carter has has a lot of ability, a lot of natural ability, hone in as a passer, and I think he could be a good quarterback at this level. There's no question about it. The other guy that I'm more concerned about uh, leaving as of yesterday is Davion Carter. And I did not, I, to be fair, I did not realize how wanted he was on the national scale. This is a guy who somehow has turned himself from JUCO recruit at Northwest Mississippi into a guy who's likely going to receive recruiting attention from Oregon, from Penn State, from Florida, from Florida State, all these different schools. Now, he's six foot 290. He was one of the most consistent guys up there. He's a pro football-focused legend as far as how he graded out this year, and he's strong as hell. He's strong as an ox with a, with a really good uh, uh, center of gravity with, with his height and his weight. Um, I think wherever he goes, he's going to end up playing center. But here's what he leaves behind, a right guard spot that is going to be vacant at the time being. And he was consistent as all get out. He started all the games this year, all 12 games. And he brought a different level of intensity and I think synergy to that offensive line that they had been missing for a while. And people will say, you can go into the transfer portal. You can go in to recruit O-linemen easily. They're a dime a dozen. You can find somebody. But in the end of the day, it's hard to find somebody with a talent level that you like that will also mesh with the pieces you have here. This was going on three years of consistent offensive line play with all these guys playing together to get them to the point where they could block and pave the way for a 1,000-yard rusher, block for Seth Hennigan and keep him upright more than they didn't. This took a while to build up the offensive line play that they had this year, which is still not on the level that it should be, but it was definitely improved. And losing a guy like Davion Carter, a guy who uh, likely you know you could you could view as an anchor, that's massive. That is a lot bigger than people will will make uh, uh, give credit for. Uh, I I know that you know coming from my mouth, being an offensive line guy, some people may say in one ear out the other. I'm telling you, this is a lot more important 
than than it looks like on the surface. Wait, you're telling me that a backup quarterback leaving is not as important <laughs> as a starting right guard when you have a 1,000 yard rusher and you know yep. an offense that actually looked like the offense that we expected this season? Yeah, it's a huge loss. I don't understand the people that were trying to make the arguments that it is easy to replace an offensive lineman in college football. It is not easy to replace an offensive lineman in college football. I've said many a time, being on this show with you, I have watched football games differently, and it is one in the trenches. Go ask Colorado how hard it is to yep. have offensive linemen. Right there. Oh, and with Colorado, uh, we're talking about transfer portal. They've had a bunch of guys leave. Yes, they've had they have they well not transfer portal more decommitments. They had one guy a linebacker leave uh, today, but they've had three guys decommit in the last two days. Three star running back Jamaris Wilder, three star quarterback Danny O'Neill, four star quarterback Antoine Hill Jr. Like they are not doing well at this moment. And really, what it comes down to, I don't know if you saw this story, Connor, but Shador Sanders. You see, he has, a, he has a fractured back. He has a fractured he back. He has a fractured back? I did not see that. He's the most sacked quarterback in college football. Shador Sanders has a fractured back because oh, no. of how hard it is to bring in O-linemen consistently that can get the job done. He just got hammered every single game, and I, I, I feel bad for him. I really do. I hope he can make a full recovery and be all right, but I, I think there's also a story about um, sort of him and insurance policies. I know Travis Hunter and him tried to get an insurance policy, but there's there's a lot of different things that go into that that have definitely hurt him. But most sack quarterback in college football, Shadur Sanders fractured back. That's brutal. That's brutal. But the transfer portal is kind of nuts already. But we the the amount of concern we had two to three years ago about outgoing transfer portal additions. Is not the same type of free. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Out you have these days. If you have a mass exodus, that's a different conversation. But if you have, you know... A few guys get in the transfer portal, uh, let's say at the University of Memphis, that want to find greener pastures, go to a Power 5 conference, make a lot more money through NIL. You just don't freak out as much. You can't really sit and harp on that. And I know that this staff here at the University of Memphis understands that as well. Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen them be able to adjust to it. And when you lose guys, they're going to be, you know, you check the portal, they're going to be there. But the good news for the University of Memphis is that, you know, you are kind of stuck between the Power Five but being the t- the cream of the crop of the group of five where you are right now. So guys are going to want to leave lesser schools to come to Memphis to maybe try to jump to another school. And, you know, you got to be okay with being that type of school, especially in football, until you become that, you know, the top of the cream of the crop that you think that you can be that we've been the past 10 years. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of what Penny's been doing with the basketball team. He's like, yeah, it, the, if you want to leave a lesser school, get some more attention, come to the University of Memphis, we can bring this thing together and get something going here. So, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. You don't want to see it, but at the same time, there's no reason to panic about it. Um, now, with the transfer portal, a couple more things before we uh, go ahead and get to a break. Michigan State has lost all three scholarship quarterbacks with the news that Jonathan Smith is going to Michigan State. Not great, but I think Jonathan Smith will find a guy. Um, Tyler Van Dyke from the University of Miami, who I, I never understood the the ridiculous 
NFL draft hype with him. I get he's 6'5", 230, and I get he's got a rocket for an arm, but it's never actually panned out. But he's in the transfer portal, so he's going to try to find some greener pastures. And there's rumors all over the place. Mike Elko leaving for A&M. Riley Leonard, their star quarterback, could potentially go somewhere. I, I think he's from Fairhope, Alabama. Keep an eye on those two schools, Auburn and Alabama. I think there's some, there's going to be some smoke there. But this is going to be, and it will continue to be year after year after year, the wild, wild west until someone gets a hold on it. And I don't think that, uh, you know, Congress or anybody else, the NCAA, each, each conference is going to get a hold on it because I think these players enjoy the freedom that they have right this second. Yes, I agree. I, I do think that there needs to be some – some overwatch of the of this process before it gets a little bit too out of hand, but I agree with you. I do like the freedom that the players have and that they can move. I mean, we talk about it all the time. If the coaches can do it, we believe that the players should be able to do it as well. But there needs to be some sort of oversight. There's just the only it. concern it's, it's I've bit, always had is there's there's a double edged sword here. Is one, yeah, I want a guy to go to a better place for him if he feels like he's not getting the attention or the love that he needs at his current, you know, institution. The other part of this is. We're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds. Like, they don't always make the best decision for themselves. It could be monetarily based where they get there and they're promised something that they don't ultimately receive. Like, there's a a double-edged sword here where promises are made on the recruiting trail in the transfer portal that don't end up the way that that they ultimately thought it would. And then I think, too, um, one of the unintended consequences is high school recruiting and high school recruits. If you were, like back in the day, I, I look at me, I was a low-level D1 recruit. I'd probably be a 1AA guy, maybe a D2 guy, because of all the transfer portal movement. Instead of going and getting guys in high school to develop them, now you get guys that are already developed at other places, bring them in, and they're already, you can drag and drop. There they are. They're who you want them to be right this second. And I think there's a lot of coaches around the country that see that, and they like that part of it. They enjoy that part of it. There's some coaches that do it better than others, but the unintended consequence here is that high school recruits definitely take a back seat to anything you're getting out of the transfer portal, and that's a shame. I think it's a shame. Well, and it it still feels like we haven't figured out the high school element of the new era with college football, especially with, like, the Missouri law going into place with the NIL deal there. That's kind of what I'm talking about. It's just we've got to have some, like, hey, okay, let's slow it down a little bit. We want these players to have freedom. We want them to be able to make money off name, image, and likeness. But but we all need to be on the same page. We need to be on the same page. We can't have one state being like, oh, you get all this money if you go to a Missouri school, but it's not happening across the border. And it, it can just get a little tricky there. Now, uh, from transfer portal to uh, coaching transfer portal, the coaching carousel, we have a lot to discuss on the other side, including Bobby Petrino potentially heading back. Looks like he will head back to uh, the place that left him in a neck brace. We'll talk about that next, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Before we get into the coaching carousel, interesting uh, tweet or post off of X that has come down. Uh, Rock Taylor, who finished this year, this regular season, uh, with 981 um, receiving yards off 61 receptions, four TDs for, for the Tiger football team. He has gone to uh, Twitter and basically said, uh, posted, unfinished business, and he's got the three emojis with the uh, salute. Salute. So I, I guess with all of the, the news of transfer portal, outgoing transfer portal guys, um, and, and sort of the uh, rumors about him potentially getting in the transfer portal, finding somewhere else, I guess this is his way of trying to say he's, he's locked in. But we've also seen, as we did last year, Caden Priestcorn say, beyond the shadow of a doubt, he was going to stay at the University of Memphis, and then money gets offered. You see Ole Miss is on the table, and he ended up leaving. So... You're not out of the dark, but this is a good sign to say Rock Taylor may stay at the University of Memphis. And I think there's three guys offensively that without question, outside of Seth, and I think you're pretty safe in assuming Seth will be the starting quarterback for the University of Memphis next year. 
Um, there's three guys that I think really need to be retained by this staff. One, without question, Rock Taylor. I mean, you need a guy to go catch a, a, a first down ball, um, a guy with just very sure hands, a big play threat. Rock is that guy. I think Demir Blankemsey, who caught for 825 yards after transferring from Toledo last year, that's a guy you need to keep. And then the third guy with Blake Watson out the door, likely to the NFL, I think Sutton Smith, the backup running back, is a guy you need to keep on campus. If, you, if they can retain, retain those three guys on top of Seth Hennigan, you feel really good about a repeat performance offensively from what they did this year. Top 10 scoring offense, you could probably repeat that next year if you keep those type of weapons in your corner. Absolutely. You know, I've been a huge Rock Taylor guy all year, so this is tremendous news. I hope that he, uh, you know, stays with the University of Memphis. I understand that things may happen down the road, but I think it's a really good fit for him. He's he's arguably the number one receiver here. He's got a great quarterback, the offensive line. You know, hopefully they can figure out something after losing Carter, but it's going to be better. It's it's. I agree with you, though. If you can bring back those four guys, losing Blake Watson's a big deal. He's an NFL talent yes. running back. It's hard to replicate 100%. that. But Sutton Smith has shown that he has the ability to be a very good college running back. So moving forward. Good news. Yeah, once you get the reps in and you start to understand who a player is, we know Sutton Smith can catch a ball out of the backfield similar to Blake Watson. You can split him out wide. Um, he needs to work on his in-between-the-tackles running where Blake Watson was really good this year. But I think that's a guy who can be just as explosive uh, as he gets up there in age like uh, Blake Watson was this year. Um, now also, um, well, last thing on Memphis football, but it has to do with the coaching carousel. We have a uh, story that was published today. In the Daily Hoosier, about Indiana and their coaching search, for those that don't know, Tom Allen has, uh, has been officially fired there. And he had some really tough years after Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer took their talents to the West Coast and to the University of Washington. Uh, but he's out. There was a list of 24 candidates that the Daily Hoosier published, and one of those names was none other than 9-3 and three coach here at the University of Memphis in 2023, Ryan Silverfield. Um, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this very, very lightly for you. Um, or, you know, I'm going to take a hard line stance to, to a certain extent. I don't take this seriously. It's a list of 24 names. And if you're looking at the Indiana university and, and who they need to bring in to potentially get themselves back up out of the gutter, I don't know if Ryan would be the best guy to take that job in this current state. I know he's done good in the transfer portal. I know he's done relatively well on the recruiting trail. But it's a different ball game when you go into the Big Ten. And, and, and the truth, truth of the matter is, with UCLA, USC, um, Washington, Oregon, all jumping into that conference, Indiana and, and sort of the, the stature of that job just continues to fall down the list. And this is a discussion that I, I, I definitely want to have. I think Indiana's the worst job of the Big Ten right now. I don't think it's particularly close. It's a basketball school, and it's just not a re- good recruiting base in the state of Indiana. Um, no one's ever been able to have sustained success there. Tom Allen had a little bit with Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix Jr., but that dissipated quickly. It's just a hard place to continually be good. And then when you talk about money for a coach, they're not going to fork over the $7 million per year contract to who they bring in. They're going to start low and see if that person can get them to where they, they want to be. And ultimately, if that person does get them to where they want to be, there will be other coaching jobs, whether it be Big Ten, ACC, SEC, that will fork over more money if that person succeeds at Indiana. It is a stepping stone job. It's one of the few stepping stone jobs in Power Five football right now. But, I mean, this is a list of 24 names. I don't think anybody needs to, needs to worry about it at this particular moment. I think more than anything, uh, if you think this was planted by an agent, I don't disagree with your take there. This could be a ploy um, from Ryan's camp, which most coaches do. You can't shame anybody for doing this. This happens all the time. This could be a ploy to go find new money on a, a new, bigger money on an extension. You know, um, but I don't think he'll be a finalist for this job. I don't think there's anything to worry about. I don't see any world where he would be a finalist for this job. I just don't understand that fit, to be quite honest. And I agree with you. The first, when I saw the reports and I saw his name on the list, my first thought was, oh, somebody's agent went to yeah. work and got him on a list. Good job. That's what you're supposed to do. 
the reality of the situation with Ryan Silverfield in Memphis is that he is up for an extension. He is supposed to be getting an extension. People are not gung-ho about this. They may feel as if they needed to put some pressure on Memphis to guarantee that that extension and that money was coming. And that is what I think is happening here and nothing more but than that. But even with that, I don't think even based on performance. I, he's 30 and 19. He's undefeated in bowl games. You, like Just anywhere else besides right now at the University of Memphis because the situation is relatively awkward. Anywhere else, you get a new money extension right. in the group of five. But being the way the situation is, is taking hold right now and taking place – I don't think being involved of uh, one of 24 names in one article for the Indiana is going to change the uh, the future outlook of what the, the movers and shakers at the University of Memphis do with giving him an extension. I will stand by, even with this news, and tell you an extension is likely coming. It's not big new money. This is going to be incentive-laden extra years. That's what it will look like, and I think people need to come to terms with that. Yeah, it's. I don't think it was really a huge play by them to put pressure on, but I think it was just the best they could do. Like, <laughs> like what's out right. there? Because let's be honest, it's not like Ryan is a sexy coach out there. <laughs> I don't see other schools like lining up to get Ryan Silverfield as their next head coach, which, you know, that could be a whole other discussion. But I think they were like, yeah, Indiana kind of makes sense. Let's get him on a list, put some pressure there, just show the University of Memphis, like, hey, let's get this thing done. Let's let's wrap this up because, you know, especially after the comments that were maybe, maybe he was feeling a little pressure. Who knows? Yeah, but I, I like, I just also think for Ryan. It just doesn't make sense. If, if, let's just say, let's just for the sake of argument do this. Let's for the sake of argument okay. have this discussion. Let's say he were to get offered this, he was a finalist. Why would you in turn take it? Why would you in turn go hop into those Indiana waters knowing that no coach has had that level of success there? You're being hired to be fired. You're being hired to be fired, ultimately. 100%. Now, I know every single coach has pride in what they can do and what they can do as far as turning a program around. But that program... It, without question, is the worst job in the Big Ten right now. And then you add USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington to that fire, it doesn't get any easier. Like people would say, you know, a couple years ago, maybe Rutgers was the worst job that you could take. But Greg Schiano's shown that he can get the job done there. Um, you, you could maybe argue Illinois. But Illinois, a couple of years ago, was a 9-win, 10-win football team. You can have some level of success in that state recruiting Doing some, it's a big state. You have a good recruiting base. Minnesota, PJ Flex done a better job there. They're at least uh, staying afloat. Although this year they were not that good. Purdue's a better job. Uh, Nebraska, without question, is a better job. I guess you could argue Maryland because they're not a natural fit in the Big Ten. But Maryland has a good recruiting base, and Mike Loxley's done a good job. Indiana is the worst job in the Big Ten, and it's only getting worse with the additions that they're bringing in next year to the Big Ten. And I don't think it's particularly close at this moment. I mean, when was the last time Indiana had a good season? <laughs> the Michael Penix, my, Michael Penix Jr. and Kalen DeBoer as the OC. That's when they had a good year. So 2020? Was that oh, 2020? Gosh. That, yeah, that, been, that was a COVID year. Yes. Yeah. It was 2020. So they have not had any semblance of success since then. So I don't take this seriously on all fronts. None. I'll, I'll say that. Now, uh, elsewhere. Yeah, the schedule's brutal, dude. You're just getting hired terrible. to get your ass kicked. Yes. And they were three and nine this year, and they uh, just so we're clear, um, just did not look good at all. They had to go to four overtimes to beat Akron. <laughs> so it's just it is not a fun. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Job to take, and I, I just, even if it all went perfectly for Ryan, I think you'd have to sleep on that one a few different nights to decide you're going to take that job. And, and I think, I guess... You know, with the pressure that's coming from the fan base in Memphis, maybe you jump jobs and um, go that route because maybe you're uh, disenthused with the way it's gone and you feel like nine and three is not appreciated. But Indiana is not a job that is that is well, worthy of taking at this current state. Let's also be honest about it. Like the the honest situation with Memphis is he has earned another year. As the as the football coach for the University of Memphis, and he then is, we can keep a, having the conversations along the way. It. 
So let's say that it doesn't work he's got out. Two next more season. years on his contract. Just what so I'm saying though is like, if he does want to go somewhere else eventually, or it doesn't work out at the University of Memphis, there will be a better opportunity for him to go somewhere than Indiana. Yeah, if he has success yeah. in the next two years of his contract, or based on an extension, there are other places right. that may come open that would want him. But I, I don't see that right this second. None. No. He's going to have to get it right at Memphis before I think any of these Power Five jobs. Not get it right, because I thought this year was a get-right year. But get right and have the sustained success before any other jobs really come calling for him. I don't think that Indiana's actually calling for him in some meaningful way at this particular moment. Um, Now, elsewhere, we have uh, Arkansas finding a new OC. They fired Dan Enos during the year, and their offense was horrible. There's no no way to hide that. So they're bringing in none other than the, the, the guy who had a neck brace on last time he was in Arkansas and had to get fired because of it. They're bringing in Bobby Petrino to be the offensive coordinator at the University of Arkansas. I don't even know how to fathom this in my brain. He's a good offensive coordinator. Thought he did some, he made some positive strides with that A&M team. Had some things work against him. Defense wasn't that good. Uh, Connor Weigman got hurt early in the year. You had to go to Max Johnson. Max Johnson gets hurt. You have to go to a third string quarterback. There's some things that he, he uh, had to deal with this year, but I thought he improved upon what that offense did in 2022. Um, I think it's a good hire in theory, but it also, I mean, Sam Pittman making this hire, I think, is a little bit strange. This is a guy who wants to keep his job, and I feel like Bobby Petrino could be the type of guy that's waiting in the wings to be some type of interim coach, maybe be a, a full-time option. If they're bringing him in right now, what's saying they won't hire him again as the head coach? And we know that Sam Pittman is right there on the hot seat. If it doesn't go good to start the year, doesn't go well to start the year next year, Bobby Petrino could step in and be an interim coach and and, and maybe – uh, sort of help that team along, and, and he'd probably be in the running to take the full-time gig. It is a, it's a strange hire when you think about the history of, and I'm putting it in air quotes, motorcycle accidents and uh, neck braces. E2 Petrino coming soon to Arkansas. It's coming. I mean, it, it feels like you hired your replacement, to be quite honest. It's because the fans love him down there. They do. They do. And if he's going to be there and they're struggling next season, the conversations will happen very quickly. And one thing that Arkansas is going to have to deal with right this second, too, is K.J. Jefferson, there's been some smoke about him potentially leaving Arkansas. you got to keep him on campus if you want to have a successful offense. I don't care who you are. I mean, you, you have to keep K.J. Jefferson on campus. And I think, you know, Bobby Petrino could have some success with K.J. Jefferson. He'd know how to use his legs. He, he'd, he'd draw up the pass concepts that he's good at, short, intermediate, maybe a couple of on-cork shots, but you have to use those legs like Dan Enos was not able to. Um, but Bobby Petrino back in Arkansas. That's a wild, wild story, and I'm so glad at the timing of it, Connor, because Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas, big hog guy, is going to join the show tomorrow, and I'm sure that that will be be a point of discussion. Um, Also, we have Dana Holgerson getting fired at Houston after being 31-28. and I hated what he did during COVID. Right, you remember the Eric King conversation? Well, he sat him out for the rest of the year, hoping that he'd come back. He ends up transferring to Miami, so that never worked out. Um, ever since then, I have been sort of off the Dana Holgerson trade, but a four and four and eight year definitely proved that it was it was done for him. And you know the name that's coming up in those conversations: the betting favorite to be Houston's next head coach is Cliff Kingsbury. I think that'd be a very good hire. I think that'd be a fine hire, but find a defensive guy. We've seen this before. <laughs> That's also His true. offense will be high-flying. He'll find a quarterback that wants to play for him. He's young. He's exciting. He's fun. He's got the air raid concept going. It's good for the Big 12. We've seen that offensively. But find someone who can coach defense. Or Cliff Kingsbury will be out there. I mean, he'll be left out to dry. He'll, he'll, he'll leave himself out to dry. Because he is not a guy... Who, uh, who who really helps his defensive coordinator with the pace, with the space, with how fast-paced the games will go. That does not lend itself to defensive football. He's got to find a guy who fits that type of scheme if he ends up getting hired by Houston. But also so a couple of other names. Like one of the names that, that really popped up for that Houston job was Willie Fritz at Tulane, and I'm curious about that. Willie, as much as I like Willie Fritz as a coach, everyone remembers the last couple of years with Tulane at the top of the group of five. They tend to forget about three and nine and four and eight and five and seven years before that at Tulane. Tulane did a good job of sticking by the guy. I'll give him that credit, but it took kind of a perfect storm of Michael Pratt, Michael Pratt showing up, Ty J Spears. You have Makai Hughes now 
Um, they had good defensive coordinator for, for, for years and years and years. It took a rel- relatively perfect storm for him to have success at Tulane, and he's also well into his 60s. I, I don't know if I'm in the Power Five. I don't know if I go and hire a guy like Willie Fritz because I think there's too many questions and not enough answers. I think you can win ball games with a guy, but how many ball games are you going to win in the Power Five? He's not a guy at his age that's very interested in going and getting four- and five-star talent. He's not going to hit the recruiting trail. You don't have people lining up at the door to play for Willie Fritz. And that's what you need to have success at this type of level. I think Willie Fritz is a good coach. I think he should be in line to get extensions, to get boosted up, his contract boosted up. But I would be a little bit, if I'm at Houston, if I'm at one of these middle-of-the-pack Big 12, Power 5 schools, I'd be kind of worried about hiring a guy like Willie at this point in his career. I think it would be more of a risk than people are making it out to be. 2 and 10 in 2021. Yeah. 2 and 10. Everybody everybody remembers these last two years. Everybody remembers them beating USC in the Cotton Bowl. They forget 2 and 10. (laughs) They forget a couple of years ago Memphis getting to six wins by beating them at the Liberty Bowl. Like they, They forget about the bad that had to come before Willie Fritz turned it into good. But I think that that was perfect storm stuff. Once Michael Pratt is out, you sort of wonder how that's going to work. Well, the thing is, he went 2-10 and 10 with Michael Pratt. Yes. That was with Pratt and Spears there. Yeah, and they were trying. but They had, they had injuries. They had to change up their, their coaching staff that next year, and then it, they ultimately had one of the biggest turnarounds in college football history. So you give them credit for that. But again, like you just have to be careful with hiring a guy of that age, of that stature, who's only had two real good years of success at the place he's at. And I know it's hard to have success at Tulane, and he's made that job and that program way better than it was when he found it. But it took a long, long, long time and a lot of patience to get... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.